1: Welcome to Coley Science, the podcast where we try to bridge the gap between theory and practice around hockey, and most specifically hockey goaltending. I'm Ben Cernick, and as always, I'm here with
0: Jamie Phillips, a broad edition. Broad. Uh, I was planning on doing vlogs, but I just, I got so embarrassed <laughs> when I figured i filming myself in the airport, but I do have a lot of B-roll. I just don't have a lot of A-roll, because B-roll is easy.
1: What if we just make your, your vlogs are just straight B roll with like some of that, uh, like unlabeled, you know, like chill step in the background or it's like drone shot, pant, drone shot, pant. Can we do that?
0: Yeah. I don't have a drone, but, um, yeah, I could just make my, my world tour just turn it into those like eight second motivational videos that I, I normally do, but just make it, uh, yeah, but I, I have plans. Like I have my camera set up and everything. I got so in my own head at the airport. I was like, dude, I, I can't. I just can't. What are we going to talk about? Uh, so maybe what I'll do is I'll... Uh, maybe I'll record something here in the hotel. But yes, abroad, the World Tour, uh, helping out at the camp in Texas. And then I'm going to go visit my goalie in Finland and skate with him. Uh, and then some other goalies, like, over there. So really excited. Got a lot I've of never been to... I've never been to the Nord- any
1: Nordic countries before. So This is exciting. You get a... Are you... Do you have a chance to to hang out at any, um, like, of, like, a club organization? Like, is, is are you, where are you skating? Is it, like, going to be, like, the, the rink or the facility for one of those,
0: like, clubs, basically? Isn't. I'm not 100% sure because, like, Max is in charge because right. he lives there. But I, I actually, that is all that's you, list. I think I'll put a post. because I, I would like, if there were other, like, Liga teams or even Metis teams, you yeah. know, I'd love to just go skate or, yes, have interviews for the pod and just, like, Talk to some goalies and talk to some goalie coaches there, um, and just learn and see see what they're doing. Like I said, I've never never been there. Like I played in England; it's like very different. Uh, England, the English hockey has so much potential, but it's very much not being taken advantage of. Whereas Finland has been established for a long time. So, um, Jamie, yeah, how? They, I mean, why are there
1: only why are there only five and a half million people in Finland? Why are there so many NHL goalies?
0: Riddle me that. Well, they have a lot of NHL players. Someone was saying this too. Is well, it's just because they just their system is really good, and we've talked about this really early on in the podcast history. Where we do like the European model of development. Um, but you know what? One thing we need to do is we need to get someone from the BCHL out because there is a lot of crazy things happening in the BCHL. The BCHL is no longer part of Canada; it's its own independent Tier One league. The KI, oh, is, the KI, is now a Tier Two junior A league. Yep, sauna. Uh, BCHL oh. technically an outlaw league. So The BCHL and the Metro equal
1: leagues. I've been saying that for many years. Um, <laughs> did you see that? There's there's new teams too. Brandberg. go Bucks. Yeah, they've been in it for uh, a couple of years.
0: Well, uh, scratch that. Yeah. We're not. They were not around when I because I remember because I watched some video from uh, like when I was doing my scouting and stuff. I was like, I don't remember this team. That's a cool logo though. <laughs> So uh we'll we'll get our podcast guy to edit that out, that part
1: out and make you look better and say like oh yeah, you know, go buck since twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Uh but okay, I, I, I do want to talk about that stuff. I just don't know it in detail. So I think what we should do is I'll reach out some of the, BC, the BCHL. But today, um we have some hot takes. We have some hot takes. I mean that was today was a hot takes episode. And Ben was just rifling them off via text message before this, and in our pre-show discussion. Um, so I, I've been up since four in the morning. Uh, I'm pretty tired, so my takes are just a lukewarm. But <laughs> before Ben goes in, so my dad drove me to the airport. It was like an hour and a half drive, and we had a really good conversation because I don't see my I don't see my parents, or my family, that often, and I wish I recorded it. Because it would have been a really good podcast episode, and I've asked my dad to come on the podcast, and yeah. he refused. He absolutely refused to. Your dad refuses. Well, he he has like a lot of good knowledge and and like experience from like being a parent side, but he refuses to do it. Um, however, I sh- I think I'm going to hoodwink him into record. I'm gonna rec- I'm just gonna record him without him knowing. Uh, next time we're on a long drive talking hockey. And at the end of it, I'm going to say, Dad, I'm gonna turn that into a podcast, uh, and he's not gonna have anything to do about it or anything to say about it. But that's, uh, I thought that was cool because we talked about a lot of stuff, and he'd given me some like just tips. And because he my dad's a teacher, and we talked about like teaching and teaching and coaching are very similar, and, and yeah. lots of different things in terms of. And my dad coached basketball for well many, 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 many years for forty plus years. So. Um, there was a lot of a lot of knowledge that you know, I took from that conversation. I just too bad I was half asleep. I didn't Report.
1: <laughs> okay, like you said, my a lot of people who do interviews and journalists have like their their like their whale, the person they want, their white whale, the person they want to interview the most. My person is Robin Phillips, and as long as he <laughs> knows my hide, <laughs> as long as your dad knows that he's my number one person that I want to talk to,
0: um, that's all that matters. As long as life names. I think we'd have to trick them. So I think if we ever, well, I know you're super busy and in the next four weeks, I'm only home for, I'm not home for more than a day, a day. Like there's no two, there's no two consecutive days. It's like I come in from Texas, I stay a night and I take off the next day or the next night. And then I, when I come back from Finland, I, I'm home for a day and a half and then I have to go to a wedding in Detroit. Uh, but if you were ever to come to California, what we could do is as long as you, might actually doesn't like IPAs. But if you just, I'll bring some beers, and we'll trick my dad, and we'll bring booze, and we'll yeah. trick my dad into we're just having some beers out on the back deck. And little does he know, the camera, the wide-angle lens comes out, <laughs> the microphone is there, and we're just, and we, and, and we, we, get because once he's hoodwinked into it, yeah, he, he can't leave. But it's getting him there. He'll fight tooth and nail to sit down, and he knows he's gonna go. He he takes the first sip of his favorite drink. and doesn't even notice the lapel mic being put on. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did tell him we were top 100 podcasts in hockey. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, have you listened to an episode yet? And he's like, no. I was, I was like, I have it on my to-do list. How I just have a lesson. I was like, dad, it's almost a year.
1: We are getting really close to the year. Uh, we have to think of something to do for that. So if anyone's some out through our 15-minute ramble here already, it hasn't <laughs> immediately given up. You know, some suggestions on what you want to hear for one year in but Jamie, you mentioned it before. Let's get to it. It's hot takes time. Um, I want everyone who's listening to understand that a lot of times we try to bring data. We try to bring support uh, for understanding what we're trying to say and, and research behind, you know, the opinions and the decisions that. We I want like everyone to know that we're throwing that
0: all the way for today. And this is entirely. Well, it's, well sort, sort of. We we try to. Our opinions are heavily influenced by research and data. But then sometimes, you know, we do have opinions yeah. and we can't back them up.
1: And so today was inspired by, I don't even know where it came from, Jamie. What did I, I gave you a hard time about something. I said that, yeah. oh, you said Jamie was saying that he's on a mission to reduce goals. Against average. And my response is that I don't think that is entirely capable or directly a- available for a goalie to do. Like, what if they just can't? I that's on a goalie problem.
0: Well, it's it is and it isn't because it it is a huge reflection on the team in front of you. Right. So, if you are a bad goalie objectively, your goals against it's going to be higher. So, it's both. It's nuanced. Yeah. It's very nuanced. But I think it, I, I, We're goalie coaches. And <laughs> we are, our job. Well, ultimately, our job is to make the goalie the best they can be. Um, I should have probably said save percentage being as high as it could be. That probably would have been much better. But. I, yeah, I I was on an airplane, man. Give me a break. So
1: this is my this is my first hot take, and it's not really a hot take because I've spent honestly, conservatively, a hundred hours trying to understand this, and look at this, uh, in the past year. So huh? hundred hours in the last calendar year, and it's that. Your hot take number one, Jamie. I don't think save percentage is as bad of a statistic as people think it is. And so hey, haven't, we, haven't we talked about this? We have, but like, this is, we kind of like touched on it here and there, but the basics of it are, right? We, we bring up like every like couple months, this kind of comes up around something, right? Um, basically, if you have a really good save percentage, if you're a goalie with a 915 save percentage, my response is so much, honestly. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you're a goalie with an 870 save percentage, my response is, okay, why? So, you know what I mean? Like on the upper end, there's lots of reasons. The great example is Martin Jones in, in Calgary, right? If anyone hasn't, I've, we talked about this a while ago, like six months ago. But If anyone hasn't looked at Martin Jones's uh, Calgary WHL statistics, go back and look at them. For that era in hockey, they're fantastic. Like he was really good in the WHL. He's undrafted NHL. His numbers are, when you kind of adjust for era, really similar to Dustin Wolf's numbers in the WHL. So, Martin Jones might be on the way out of this career. Dustin Wolf just starting his career, but um, ultimately, really similar numbers. But here's the thing: on and like like that upper end save percentage before you get to like being the best in the league, or whatever. There's lots of reasons you can end up with a pretty good save percentage, and sometimes it's just your team's really good, right? But you don't face a lot of shots. I think everyone who's played minor hockey has had a team in their league. Maybe you were the goalie on this team where you got like eight shots a game like growing up Jamie and I in Ontario uh, would play against the Toronto Marlies and growing up those goalies would get like seven shots a game, and they would make a lot of they were really good yeah even and their goalies were good too so the, yeah, not a, this is not a slight on their goalies like their goalies were always like some of the best goalies in their respective age groups, and they still are to this day right so it's not a slight on them but it was really hard to ever say a team tested them or a team you know and that's not to say it didn't happen, but it just didn't regularly happen. Right. So having a 930 save percentage when you're on a team like that, that makes sense. That's kind of the expected baseline. Yeah. But when we start getting on the bottom end of things, 870, 880, and that's more prominent in junior hockey than it is the professional level because there's no one who's really doing that in the professional level. Right. Like the range of, of statistics shrinks the higher up the pyramid you go because everyone is just better. So there is less and bad, and the system is much more defensive. Correct. Yeah, exactly. But even then, though, like there are situations where goalies uh, in CHL games are given, you know, having 860 save percentages on 28 shots a game now, right? The thing is, and the response to people say logically is okay, but you know, you don't know what the quality of chances is. Save percentage just counts, right? When you look, start looking at like NHL data, for example, the worst teams give up more chances. But it's it's like giving up more chances doesn't lead to worse save percentage. Yeah. It's not true. Right, like giving up more high danger chances as a goalie or receiving another goalie at the NHL level does not lead to a worse save percentage. One that leads to a worse save percentage, worse goaltending. Like there is yes. there is stability amongst the top performers. And so when I say save percentage is not a bad statistic, what I mean is it it does identify who is not a good performer. It doesn't identify who is a good performer, but it doesn't identify who might be a bad one. And I think that's actually really important, right? JB, you talked about this a like year ago, where I remember you made a post that got people really angry, which was, you're responsible for your safety percentage. I remember you saying that, like, don't, you know, don't get mad. Don't blame your team if you have a bad safety percentage. Like, take takes the yeah. responsibility for it, right? People were really upset. My team gives up 80 shots a game. Yes, if your team gives up 80 shots a game, this conversation does not apply to you. You cannot do anything about eighty shots a game, but when you play in leagues where the average shots or the range of shots goes between
0: twenty-five and forty, now we have a much more consistent basis. But even if you get eighty shots, it should it will regress to the mean ultimately. So if you're a good goalie getting eighty shots, you still will hover around those high eighties, to low nineties. Yep, yep. And I agree. Like as Sam, like look. For anyone who studies
1: statistics or is interested in statistics, whether you're in high school, college, university, or 30 years out, and you're now a statistician. Jamie doesn't care for it. But you get enough. (laughs) You get enough games at a large enough sample size, and and things will even out over time, right? That's why one of the the better, not one of the better predictors, but one of something that is interesting is that, like, if you look at a goalie's four-year window compared to a one-year window, you have a way better idea of, of what goalies are doing statistically, right? So, like, for example, anyone who, well, Linus Allmark just had this amazing season in Boston. They were, you know, a very good defensive team. The Both him and Slayman were great. Slayman's a great goalie too. They were both not tested very much compared to their peers. Here's the thing, though. Go back and look at Linus Allmark's numbers throughout his, his life. Like, no one should be surprised that he was capable Right? Like you just zoom out for a second, take away this season, and it's like I did I think he deserved to win the Vesta. I don't know. I'm not a sports render with a vote. But ultimately, like anyone who was like, Oh, this is this this is this is an outlier in his career. He will not have a nine forty save percentage next year. But I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up a nine twenty-five, even with the shell of Boston's team coming back, because he's always put up that numbers. Like I'm off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he had a 922 in Buffalo one year, 917. Like he's always been good. So you take a zoom out, and it's like, why is anyone surprised? know Omar had this great season. He went from a, went from being a really good goalie on a bad to a good goalie on a great team.
0: Uh, no, man, no, that's true. And uh, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, that everyone gets obsessed with stats and data because for the most part, until you get to higher levels, stats. Uh, and your prospects is basically all anyone can co off of because m- most minor hockey teams and even junior hockey teams don't have the financial resources to fly and do all these things but with a lot of video and stuff it's getting better but this actually brings me into your next hot take that i'm going to steal is teams not consulting their eight goalie coaches on When committing or signing, or even really in the recruiting process of goalies, and I find that very strange because you know in the era of like in stats and all these awesome tools, or to watch tons and tons of video, even if you can't fly your goalie coach out to halfway across the world to watch a different goalie, it's there are a lot of times when goalies get signed and the goalie coach just goes, "Excuse me." where where did this come from yeah i just don't understand like i, I get i get like in the head coach or the gm like you get the you're, you make the executive call but i think it's i think it's really important to consult your goalie coach uh on the decision you don't have to agree with it and you can still ultimately do what you want if you're the head coach or gm but i think you should like talk to them and be like hey like what do you think of this guy do you think you could you think you could make him better? Like, is he, as he peaked, like where, where's his potential? So why is that? I don't don't mean the deep psychological issues in terms of why he do what they do. I don't know. I have no idea. But the
1: thing that always sticks out to me the most, and Jamie, we started talking about this a little bit as in the past, but it's like, whenever you are a coach for a team and you want to take a play, and this is primarily junior age and above, so I, I please don't take this and use it for U10 hockey. but um, <laughs> pretty still. But the idea that when you're training for a goalie, signing a goalie, recruiting a goalie, you need to have a fundamental understanding of how you think that goalie is going to fit into the system that way. right? I think in junior hockey, a lot of the times we see a team be like, oh, this guy thought was this you know this man or woman. Crushes us. They own us. But you have to reflect on like as an off as your own. Te- you're you're watching the video of your own team. Playing Does your own team get the same offensive chances that your own team gives up?
0: This and is the, this is the latest Allmark argument again, where you look at, you know, Allmark's not super great laterally, and no. Buffalo gave up a lot of lateral options. But when he moves to Boston, gave up mostly straight shots. Allmarks is really good. And so, again, that goes back to the, the Allmark pod in terms of goalies. Certain goalies have certain success in certain systems. And I think that that's typically where a goalie coach should be able to see. Like, you for goalie coaches, especially the ones that watch, like, every game. You know your team's system. You know what they give up. And so it's like, okay, like, we really give up a lot of backdoor chances. We need a goalie who maybe is, like, taller and more flexible and quicker laterally. And you can kind of like be like, yeah, we don't tip up that many straight shots. So even if he's not the best tracker, we can kind of get away with it. Um, and so that's where, that's where a goalie coach's eye and expertise really comes into play. That's where that value that you're paying a guy, you're, you're paying a guy not only to get your goalies better, but you want him to improve your overall team success. And that starts by bringing in the right, get or woman.
1: Yeah. And and ultimately, it's different at every age group too, right? If you're bringing in a player 16, 17, 18, they're still in a period of their time where they can really, you know, I think change their game to a certain extent. I think as we get older, 21, 22, I'm not sure goalies really change that much beyond that. time. And what I mean by that is I'm not sure you can really rewrite all the patterns that have been written, right? So I think an example is let's let's, you know, we'll use... Allmark is our, our example today. Fantastic goalie. Again, before this past season, he was 915, 915, sorry, 915, 917, 917, Like he's been good for five years now. Um, but like you mentioned before, I don't think Linus Allmark practicing backdoor saves will make him better at backdoor saves at this point. It's It's right. It's, you know, like h- how is there a chance, right? He is, I want to get this right so, right, so he's 29 years old. He's, well, he's twenty thirty, turning 30, he's your age, 93. Yeah. Right, so, you know, thinking about your game, could you, can you really modify your game
0: at 30? Like the tiniest bit, slowly.
1: But, something but then you're having, so, you're changing something about
0: what yeah. you've done that's made you successful. At
1: that point. That's true. Right, because and this is something that I think people need to appreciate. Is that any change in someone's game? You're at, at the elite level. You're sacrificing something else to be better at backdoor seeds, you, You're likely giving up depth. Yeah, that's that's the first thing that you would give up to be more consistent on backdoor plays is make the distance smaller,
0: right? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I I, right. I, I would agree. Right, and it's like I again, like I'm not sure there is like an off season program that you can practice simulations of is this person shooting or passing at the NHL level right like oh make the make I think people say like make the better read and it's like uh again do you' are 30 year old I'm not sure how
0: they read the game is going to change that I mean about at that point you've probably seen so many situations that like you you've probably seen almost all of them Yep. and your reactions and your reads are pretty pretty steady so like what's you know, what's focusing a couple of practices on something going to do. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard to say it that. Way. But when you're younger, that's a different story because you're young and malleable and now we can start to make those changes, which is why, which is why you see like huge growth um, with a lot of younger goalies. All of a sudden, they're really good at certain things because they're going, they're working on things their exposure that combined with just going, you're, reading, you're getting stronger you're growing taller and all these different variables. So I think that that's an important separation between like you're not saying you know you're a you're 13 goal it's like you're never gonna get better yeah. once you're like 25 26 27 the progress is very very slow to minimal there yeah, there still can be progress but it's very small and it's it's like it's it's millimeters not inches
1: the way that i always describe it is that i think honestly at 17 by the time you're 17 18 how you play is is going to be a lot of how you play the rest of your life. I think the growth after that age for most people. So again, brain assault. This is the hot takes. I think most growth for goalies after 17 or 18 follows a relatively linear path. So you're so these massive jumps, on average, don't happen after that age. That's not to say they can't. I'm just saying on average they don't. Like most people will continue to progress. will they'll, they'll keep getting better, but you're not going to have that same huge jump to make between 13 fourteen. you know what i mean yeah i agree i i, right. I would agree with that and that's and that's like that's that's, that's almost all sports right that's yeah that's everything right yeah. that is and so that's like that's something that's really interesting we've learned a lot in baseball so like if you flash back 20 years ago um teams in the mlb used to love taking high school pitchers some still do but they used to love drafting high school pitchers because they threw really hard and they were only 17 only 18 right you hear that they're only 70 and a lot of those guys don't make it and there's a lot of reasons why they don't make it but one of the the bigger reasons i think people have learned to understand is that you are projecting onto young people what their potential is rather than identifying what they're good at and what that ceiling might be right and so i think that happened. anyways i think this is this is rambling but derailed to hardcore but that's that's kind of where it comes to is that you know with if you're a college team and you're getting a twenty one year old goalie, that goalie is pretty molded. You're gonna you're gonna change them, they get I bet better, make better reads, but it's it's modified their game, but they're not gonna become a completely different goalie. Like that's not a thing, right? Like someone who's really bad at backdoors is not gonna suddenly get really good at backdoors at twenty two years old.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think a good example is one of my goalies at tech. We really improved his skating over the course of the year. So we're talking 10 months of skating and it is he's a significantly better skater but in terms of improvements of his game there is improvements but it's not like the degree that his skating increased so it really increased one aspect and it helped it helped a bit but it's not like you have some brand new goalie over the course of a year and this is a 21 year old kid now of course over the course of his college career it's four yeah. years of little improvements here and there and if he continues on a steady path then after year two, three, four, 3, now, now you can look at not like a completely different goalie but like a much more improved goalie and that's and like, again the, now we, we always talk about you know play the long game and stuff and that's really what it comes down to but once you get older like you gotta play the long long game and you also have to accept that like you said once you get to that 20 and up range you probably got all the tools you're going to have. You're just going to sharpen a few of them. You're not going to really add new tools to the toolbox.
1: I actually really like that analogy. Yeah, like the the fundamental core of that type of goalie is the same. And I think if people want a really good example of this is take a goalie that you really like watching in the NHL. Preferably someone who's probably in their mid to late 20s I'd say. Go 10 years ago and watch their junior highlights, And what you'll see is a different era of hockey but you'll see the same tools and the same patterns that the goalie shares 10 years ago, right? Player coaches and scouts talk about this all the time with forwards and defensemen that they don't make these huge jumps in their tools. They have them at the lower levels that are visible and then they get better at, they get more consistent at them, but they need to demonstrate that they own the tool to some capacity, right? Like an example of that. A lot of the times for this discussion is Kale McCarr, who when you watch play has the footwork and the hands on a blue line of just like, again, a, a, a next generation talent, which he currently is. He, he played in the AJHL, right? Which, you know, not a big league to produce NHL talent out of pretty good league to produce college hockey, but not, you know, first round NHL draft, et cetera. But if you go watch him in the AJHL, there's flashes of him doing that same stuff, right? Like he always could do it. He did it a lot differently eight years ago could always do it. And I think we project onto people too much and not look at what they currently are. And I think that's really important as for a coaching perspective, from a parent perspective, from a player perspective, right? If you're an older goalie, if you're, you know, your 20-year-old junior goalie right now, know what you're good at. Don't stop working on the things you need to improve on, but know the type of goalie you are. Don't try to reinvent your game. Double down into the things you're good at. Understand how your game needs to fit in your team's environment.
0: I agree. I, I agree with that. Um, let's move on. the other hot takes?
1: Yeah, well, this is the transition hot take, what I was going to say, is, and it kind of ties into to the one that you brought. And I know I just remembered a lot, so tosses went immediately into your court. I just went on a big rant that I think, you know, goaltending is decided a lot by the environment. In front of My hot take is that, well, yes, coaches don't often take into account goaltending, how they fit into that environment all the time. I also don't think goalie coaches, myself included, do a great job of trying to mold that goalie into the environment their team plays in. I think we do an okay job, but I think we can better.
0: Yes, I I agree. I agree a lot with that. Um, I do think a lot of the times that stems from the fact that goalie coaches are just given some goalies on a team without input and they have to do their best with it and so you take a goalie and you have to like when you, when you first skate with a guy or a girl you want to see okay like, where what what's their raw ability like, how are they do the skater how are they attracting how are they listening how are they as a person and then you need to have um like a body of work throughout the season to then understand like what does our team give up and so i could i can speak myself and I would watch the video or watch, I would either watch the game live or watch the video back and all the touches of all the goal, uh, the chances we give up and the goals we give up. And then it's like, and we start for me, it would be because it would be a college and we only play two games a weekend. I could tailor my goalie sessions around what the other team kind of does or what we tend to give up. Typically we're pretty solid other than against Pankato, who was the, the better team in our league. Um, so they gave up a lot of cross-crease one-timers in the power play. That's going score a ton of goals. So once ben, we knew McKeita was coming up, for me, it's like, okay, we're going to do a ton of lateral release law and a ton of beating the pass on our sheet, a ton of depth management for this week. And so it's it's hard. For me, it would have to be, I'd have to take it in terms of what are we po- approaching? What's it, what are we playing? Who are we playing against in the week? what are their strengths, and then how can I tailor it that way rather than what are consistent patterns that we give up? Because I also do find that sometimes it's it's hard to find patterns with some teams because yeah. there is a lot of inconsistency. And one weekend you give up a ton of backdoors, and the next weekend you just give up like seven breakaways. And you're like, we didn't give up a breakaway for the last month, and all of a sudden we give up seven in one game. Like, how am I supposed to prepare my guy for that okay, or girl for that? And so it's like I do agree that we can definitely do a better job, but that that comes from I think a lot of video. And I think a lot of that comes from educating our goalies in terms of understanding situations and having them be able to figure out what the situation, what are the possible outputs for the current inputs each time the play enters the zone or whatever. And that's really on them more than it's on us. In my
1: yeah, and I like I, I agree with that being said. One of the greatest challenges with hockey, and what makes it such a really great sport for a fan experience, is the variance we see. Right, like anyone can be anyone because, like, like, you can just give up six breakaways in a game to the worst team in the league and lose. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's just right. You don't see that as much in some other sports. So a good example is basketball is a lot more consistent at pretty much every level. Right, it's why everybody loves a March Madness you know, run, right? Because it's just rare. It's 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 less consistent. But it's also really hard, right? Because, um, again, at the end of the day, the defenders and the forwards of the team are people too who make mistakes, who inconsistent. And so even if you're playing a system, then you want your goal to kind of shift and adapt in that system. Maybe the system changes week to week based on who you're playing. You know, still requires the, the team to be able to output to, to that. And I think that's where I've seen a lot of frustration for younger goalies. And I say younger, but pre, pre-college, pre pre-junior right? like goalies, where it's like, you know, we played this team in February. We, you know, we played them last time in October and we gave up. They're two completely different games. They're not even close to the same game anymore, right? And I think that is what's hard about prep too, right? So I, I like what you said is I think ultimately it's, it's our job that you should probably understand on average what your team does, right? Like I think, have a baseline of, of things that your team does well. Have a baseline understanding of what the defensemen on the ice do well, right? Like everyone, whether you fully appreciate this or not, there are lines on their team, like the team that you like, or the team that you coach, or the team that you play on, that give up different, worse, harder chances than the other people. And if you don't, and if you don't think they do, go
0: tape every game this year, and I guarantee you'll start seeing patterns. Yeah. Uh, right but yeah my final hot take actually I do have two this one's a quick one uh, I bought Bell the breakfast bars and it says four hours of nutritious steady energy I don't know how they came to that conclusion that's exactly four hours uh, but my, my actual my last hot take is courtesy of my dad Rob Phillips and him and I in the car this morning were talking about because I was ex- I was talking about, about like the podcast and things we talk about and I talked about the like Things that made myself successful a lot of times come from the environment that I was fortunate enough to be a part of. And then my dad said something that I I never considered because I don't really like, I still have a hard time like thinking in a positive light about myself and my, and like my skill level and stuff like that. But it essentially came like my my dad said, it's just like, you, the, the kid has to want it because I said like, dad, like I had all these options and like, you know, you guys provided and gave me everything I ever needed and he's like yes but you wanted it like we never had to tell you to do this or do that you would always tell us like i want to do this i want to go skate i want to go to the gym i would need to do this i need to do that so it, it comes down to like when it, this is more take for parents is you can't you can only you can't like you can't force your kid into it your kid's gonna have to want it and because I think our conversation was about burnout young athletes. So ultimately, you can't guarantee success. But a good indicator is if your child truly and genuinely wants it and you can help support them. I think, one, that's good for life. But two, in terms of athletics, that, that intrinsic motivation is probably the most important thing because that child will, is looking to do whatever it takes to be their best self. I think that that's my take is there's too many there's too many parents that are extrinsically trying to find motivation and not expecting their kids to be intrinsically
1: motivated. Yeah, I love that. I agree with it. The other thing that I think I like about this too is I think uh, if you're a goalie coach or a parent or a sunny coach that works with young kids, you can help kids find that intrinsic motivation. Right? Like You can help or guide them. Um, and because something that's really important, something that I doing a lot of thinking about too, is, is you know when stuff gets hard, sometimes you quit, and sometimes it's okay to quit. But we don't want people to quit all the time on stuff, right? There's a healthy balance somewhere. Sometimes things are really, really, really terrible and bad, and you should quit. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's okay. But you know, if it, I think you can help show kids in sports can be a really great vessel. To show them that you know working hard does lead to positive things, and that it can be fun, and that training process is on the coaches. I mean, we again a lot of times you know we're goalie coaches in private settings. Like we can't control other team coach interacts with them. Hopefully, their team coach communicates the same things. Where it's like, hey, you know, you worked hard, you did your best. You're a kid that's going to make a ton of mistakes. Yeah, right. Like nothing worse than a coach blaming a game, a U11 game on Like. <laughs>
0: It doesn't sound bad when you say it out loud. I, I, it sounds bad when you say it out loud. But I think back, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I definitely was blamed, yeah, for like some games and like when I was in like the, pee wee, like, I, well, I started with the pee wee the band. I'm definitely a minor midget and definitely a junior. Oh yeah, God, so many times.
1: Yeah, and it's like, and this is this is not a hot take. And I think I think we really should do a full episode, like a full full episode on this. Uh, and and bring and in some other people to kind of share this. I promise you, at pretty much every age, the goalie knows when they should stop the puck. Now, there definitely are goalies who will never take anything like that. We can work on that. We can foster that. But at a certain point, I promise you, like I promise you that no one is meaner to themselves than we were. <laughs> like, you know. You don't, need to, you, you don't need to rip into some of the some goalies. Know your goals. You don't need to rip into them. They already are ripping into themselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was definitely too hard on myself. Yeah. too hard on myself. But I think that's, that's it for my hot takes, other than I don't know how anyone can live in this kind of heat. Uh, it's actually unbearable. I can't do it. Um, so people that live in the southern United States and southern Central America, good for you guys. 'Cause it's freaking hot.
1: Look, Jamie, you're you're, you're a Houghton Michigan person born and bred. You're s you're a, <laughs> a lot of people have been calling you Jamie Upper Peninsula Phillips, and I just wanted to let you know.
0: I think I should get honorary Uber status. Yeah. Well my I, point is I've I put in enough years there that I, I think I think I deserve that, but that time has come to an end, so it's a new chapter for me. We'll have lots of good conversations. Why not you is in the next 20, uh, 20 months? Me and you both. Um,
1: Jamie, so this is a hot takes. I want people to know that, again, at the end of the day, this stuff is kind of specific, on our mind and what we think about, but we also are open to the discussion around it, as always, right? This yeah. uh, We kind of see it, uh, at least explain a little bit more. There's obviously, we could go on for hours about the, some of the nuance, the details, of some of these things. So the discussion and the room for discussion should and always is open. So as always, if you have some thoughts on this, have some hot takes for our hot takes, send us an email, leave it in the comments. Uh, as always, like and subscribe. And most importantly, subscribe to Jamie Phillips's Patreon because as always, it does not pay me,
0: but it pays Jamie and I like to see him happy. So, And as long as it's going, I mean, I can afford air conditioning in this 120 degree Texas heat.
1: Every minute it gets hot. All right, <laughs> nice,
0: Thanks, Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. What was that?